Welcome, everybody, to another episode of 9458 NBA Podcast. I'm Ethan Shutt, and I'm joined, as always, by Ryan Shutt and Philip Russell. Jimmy Butler is officially out of Minnesota, and for the first time in Oakland, there may be trouble in paradise. This is 9415 NBA Podcast. Let's get it. All right, boys, since we recorded last Friday night, it seems like the NBA uh, went into full hyperspeed and covered so much after we had some pretty easy weeks, you know, a story here or there to cover, what all's gone on. But we get done recording last Friday night, and then Saturday morning, the deal breaks. Jimmy Butler is officially out of Minnesota. I was with Ryan when it happened. We were at the Kentucky game, and our phone started buzzing like crazy. So, Philip, what was kind of your first thought when you saw that not only that he was traded, but that he was going to the Sixers, a team that I don't feel like was really discussed near as much as some others in terms of the Butler sweepstakes? So, the fan side of me said... It's about time. Get the cloud away from Minnesota. Get the cloud away from Cat and Wiggins and let those guys ball without a veteran chewing them out all the time. For the 76ers, I thought that's exciting. I mean, you're adding a top 20 guy to a good basketball team right now in the East, so that makes the East, I think, a genuine four-team race. The initial basketball nerd in me said, uh, who shoots the ball? in Philadelphia now like you're not going to live off of mid-range jumpers and Ben Simmons layups so yeah right what was kind of your thought I know we both kind of just freaked out over it because we were pretty shocked but like when you just saw Butler in the Sixers what was your first thought because I'll be honest I don't think anyone really was too focused on what Minnesota got back I think most of the heat to that story was the fact that Butler was joining that team. Life kind of felt like the beat switch in sicko mode by Travis Scott, where all of a sudden you've got one thing going, and then it just crashes into something else. And that's kind of how it felt, because there was no rumors of Jimmy Butler leaving. There were no potential trade options on the table. It's just all of a sudden, at like 1.45 in the afternoon, everybody's phones blew up, if you follow the NBA at all, and it just said, oh, hey, by the way, you know Jimmy Butler? Not there anymore. Uh, and it kind of elevated this week into some fast-paced, story-driven week that we haven't had really since the opening of free agency. Yeah, it. this trade was not like a lot where you kind of hear the rumors for six hours, then boom, it happens. It was much more of the uh, 7 a.m. DeRozan-Kawhi Leonard trade where it was like, oh, my phone's buzzing, and apparently a massive move just happened. And it, it's just so interesting, and it honestly, I think it helps both sides, and we'll get to that in a second. But we've talked so much about the Sixers not quite looking like that team we thought they would be. And I do think there are probably some issues we need to talk about in terms of what the Sixers look like now. But props to them for doing something big and props to the T-Wolves for for getting some good pieces back. And what was kind of weird about this story, I don't know if you guys read much into kind of how it ended up coming down, um, their kind of last-minute nature of it. But basically after that loss on that Friday night, Tibbs kind of went to management and was just like, We've got to we've got to no move on having him. He, he said based on what he was seeing, based on the chemistry in the locker room, it's almost like he finally threw his hands in the air and was like, I, I've tried to make this work and I can't. And he said, we need to get a deal done basically tomorrow. And that's kind of what, what the urgency was, was Tibbs finally throwing in the towel um, and props to him. I guess somewhere in the back of his mind or at least in his heart, he thought he could try and salvage uh, this. But it's interesting. You just don't see somebody like 
on such short notice be like, hey, you know what? This this we gotta we gotta do it now. I'm seeing Thibodeau like meeting with the the GM or the owner and being like, guys, I just came to a realization. Jimmy Butler's probably not the best teammate for these young guys. And the owner and GM being like, Really? Wow. Really? Is this a is this a new realization you're coming to, Thibs? And it seems like he had he had such a stranglehold on basketball operations, which he operates as president of basketball operations, that he was hesitant to do that because Jimmy's been his guy. So part of it, I'm assuming from Minnesota, from their front office staff, and from the fans there is, it's about time. Yeah, there. Now this is a weird, weird one for me, but it reminded me just the whole situation of the Mighty Ducks one. Uh, a movie that is very high in my all-time list. I'm already here for this. Thank you. Uh, about halfway through, whenever they figure out with the redistricting that Adam Banks should be on the Ducks. You mean gerrymandering the and, hockey teams? Listen, and not on the Hawks. It was this weird thing where you have a player who doesn't want to be there and a group of guys who doesn't want him there anyway. And it's, you know, there were two options. It was Gordon Bombay is going to get this team to fall in love with each other and play together as a team, or... You eventually get to the point where it's diminishing returns. We're hurting our team by trying to force this piece in where it doesn't fit. And I think you're right, right? That loss was just Tibbs being like, I'm done. Like, this is this is a waste. He was so optimistic about Butler and what he can do because of his extreme love of him going back to the Chicago days. But I think he got to a point where he's like, I'm going to ruin the talent I currently have if I'm not able to get rid of Butler, because he's not going to turn the page like I thought he would. And and I th- think we kind of gloss over this. Uh, but, Philip, for those listening that might not know all the intimate details of the trade, obviously it was the Timberwolves and the Sixers, but who all went from one team to another and kind of just break down what we saw there. So Philly gets Jimmy Butler and Justin Patton, which, Ryan, I think you had some inside info on who Justin Patton is. Uh, I think he's kind of like the team manager where he just kind of sits down at the end of the bench, fills the water bottles. If you're a little sweaty, he might dab you up a little bit, but nothing too exciting there from a player person. <laughs> okay. Standpoint. Okay, good. So Philly gets Philly gets Jimmy quick, Butler quick and Justin Patton. We don't know what Patton will or will not be. He was a first round pick in 2017. He was a 16th overall. I look, I don't think he's going to do anything, but give him some love. He's a 7-footer. Look, maybe he'll do something. Sorry, Just Ryan, and I, hey, Ryan and I are he's king from, of trolls. He's from Creighton, dog. <laughs> Here's the thing. I That's hope, Dougie I, McBucket school. I, yeah, I hope he does great, but... You know, it's just when you're we never we never wish ill will on anybody in the league. Right. We'll just flame you up if you're not that great. <laughs> Except when you're paired with a piece like Jimmy Butler, you just become automatically irrelevant. And for I sure. feel bad for the guy because it's like, well, we need somebody to send with Jimmy. All right, who volunteers? No volunteers. All right, well, uh, he's, he's uh, averaging just, three minutes per name? game. What's your name? What's your name? Is it hey, Jason? It is just in his career. It, kid. Three minutes per game in his career. So. Wolf. That's, okay. that's like three minutes, only hey, three minutes a game Butler, more than me. Hey, Butler <laughs> loves that. Butler's like, good, no one's taking my time. I'll take Patton. Sorry, go ahead. So to review, Jimmy Butler and Justin Patton to Philadelphia. In return, Minnesota gets Robert Covington, Darius Arch, and a 2022 second-round draft pick. Oh, 
Oh, yikes. I just looked. Patton's only played in one game ever. <laughs> <laughs> he played three minutes in one game in 2017. I was, you were over there reading so intently. I, I was, was like, just like, what is this Joker doing? He was nice. trying to, he I didn't was trying to ju- clown on our troll. I didn't want to jump in because <laughs> no, Ethan no, no. was over there reading the seventh Harry Potter book. I was, I was like, well, what, is the is Elder like, Wand coming rem- into play? I remember him from college, and I was like, three minutes per game seems very low. I was like, Maybe there's an injury. Maybe there's something. And I haven't looked enough, but I just looked. 2017 season stats, one game played, three minutes. And that's so, big hey, buckets right there. Best of luck to him. But, no, sorry for completely spacing on you. I just really was curious about this guy. Uh, but Jimmy Butler's impact in Philly, I think, is is pretty obvious in terms of we know exactly what he brings to the table. But mm-hmm. let's talk a little bit more about the fit. Do we think what he's bringing to the table is what the Sixers need? Because we've all talked about the Sixers team a lot as we kind of looked over the East, what we thought some teams had, some teams didn't. And the thing we kept discussing between Ryan trolling on Fultz and Phillip trolling on the overall build of this team is that they don't have shooters, and we – went on a much longer than needed rant about J.J. Redick being the really only consistent three-point shot outside of a guy they just traded in Sarich. So right now you are left with J.J. Redick. Sure, dog can shoot. Props to him. I love that guy. Fultz, LOL, watches free throws, please. Ben Simmons hasn't attempted a three-pointer other than buzzer beater half-court shots. Embiid improved better than most big guys, but still – not exactly what you're looking for. And, like, this is this is their squad now. And Jimmy Butler, who, as great as he is, is not a consistent three-point shooter. So, Philip, when you look at how this team is now assembled, do you think it's going to work with Butler? Like, do you think he's going to bring what they actually need, or is it just more of what they already have? That's tough because they're not done. They're, they're still going to make moves. They have to go get more. Shooting because Trevor Reese Covington, is available. Kyle Korver, I could see ending up. Yeah, that one keeps in, in Philly. Covington and Sarch are both solid league average three point shooters. You're losing the defense with Covington there as well. But pairing Butler and Simmons together is a tough fit because they're both playmakers who want the ball in their hands, who want to create off the dribble or dribble for a significant amount of. The possession, and then then the question is, like, you want Jimmy Butler there. Jimmy Butler is a better scorer than Ben Simmons is, can do more with the ball in his hands. But then what do you do with Ben Simmons? I mean, do you put him in the dunker spot? So short corner, running the baseline, trying to free up space, and then let Embiid space the floor. But then he doesn't play well off the ball in the first place. I saw a really interesting tweet uh, where someone made the point that Ben Simmons is now officially the Chris Bosh of this big three. And it's so accurate in the sense At least Chris Boss could shoot. uh, Exactly. Well, that's the thing. Like, when you are the third piece of the big three, your job is to fit the needs that aren't met by one and two because one and two don't have to change. LeBron and D-Wade did what they were going to do, and Bosch fit. But right now, when you're looking at Embiid and Butler, all the pieces you would want to be kind of filled in are not pieces that I think Simmons has. And so it just seems questionable to be honest with you the things that you needed more of you got rid of but that's where this could be really good for Ben Simmons I'm going to take the kind of the optimistic look at this for just a second this is going to force him to have to adapt his game before before this move what reason really has he had to adapt his game he hasn't 
because there was nobody challenging He's going into him. his third rookie season, so, I mean, it's still pretty new. <laughs> well, right. Ben but, Simmons, rookie of the year 2019. But what I'm saying is— We're starting the campaign now. Bringing in somebody like Jimmy is not only going to free up everybody else, especially on the offensive side of things. This could force Ben to have to change. Going back to the question of how does it fit, though, I think not just how does it fit in a basketball scheme— I think a question is how does personalities fit? Because what biz, I, I perfect, love perfect. the personalities, well, and and that's where I'm I, I'm taking this is because Jimmy Butler is very demanding of his teammates. He will bark at you. He will tell you what you need to do, and I think it was telling uh, last last night or the night before. I forget when it when it was. This week has gone on forever, but anyway, he he was asked post game after his first home win, what's it like playing with these guys and. Kind of throwing shade at Minnesota, yep. but also just speaking his mind, which is what Jimmy Butler does. He goes, I can tell these guys what they need to hear, and they take it, and we move on, and we play basketball. And they want to win. And and, and to me, that was the most telling thing Jimmy Butler could have said, because that tells me these guys are going to make it work. Regardless how of how the, the, the athleticism and, and the, the tools fit together— if these guys want to win, they're going to find a way to do it. It just might take adding another piece like that to kind of— you know, spread the floor a little bit. I'm going to go the opposite route and say Ben Simmons will not adapt his game in the middle of this season. He had time at LSU, time when he was injured, time his air quotes rookie season last year, time all throughout the summer to adapt, to get a jump shot. He hasn't done it yet. He's been keeping up with the Kardashians. So I don't see him mid-season on the fly adding another element to his game that would be helpful. So then – what has to be done is you have to figure out how do they how do they coexist together effectively and what ends up happening is one of them becomes a finisher when their primary and probably best role is playmaker yeah it, i don't know if it's pride or what but simmons seems so set on that his style of basketball will be effective that he doesn't want to change for anyone no matter what and and to be fair he is a good nba player right now he is he's a very good young player but it doesn't it just doesn't seem like he's reaching what he what he could be without at least the ability to take the shot well, and the, the jump shot to take the, the jump shot jumper. would put him in the lebron-esque category everything else skill set wise is a match the passing even the like he can do it all and his athleticism allows him to do so much and what's so interesting to me is I'm watching this and then I look at the college level and I see Zion Williamson another player who's being thrown in that ultra freak athlete category can play defense against anyone can attack like no one else but Zion has developed his three-point shot and it is making him such a good-looking prospect to where he's now being viewed just from his first couple games over an RJ Barrett who is someone who they thought would be a number one overall pick for the last eight years from all of his national ball in Canada like if you add skills that make you more well-rounded people are going to want you more and I don't know how much longer Simmons will be able to be effective if he doesn't have those pieces around him because I think Saric was such a underappreciated piece of the puzzle for them he and well and Ilyasova too and Belenet like all those guys who Simmons could hit in the corner last season are now gone like all of them except for Redick and that's my point he hasn't had to expand his game I, so he's been comfortable where he's at. As LSU, he didn't have to adapt because LSU 
A, wasn't that great. He also didn't care. Right, he didn't care. Big facts. So he comes into the NBA. He He comes into a system with Joel Embiid and some of these other guys. He's got some good shooters on his team. He doesn't have to expand his game because they didn't need him to. Now with somebody like Jimmy Butler who's going to be in his ear all the time saying, hey, you need to fix this and having to fill that role. I'm not saying it's going to happen midseason. Nobody expects that. But I'm saying in the next two to three years, expect that to happen to see his game adapt. And lest we forget, shout out to Kevin O'Connor at The Ringer for always bringing this up. We're also not sure if he's shooting with the right hand. If you remember when he was at LCU and coming into league, is he a lefty? Is he a righty? He so he's never know. he's never figured out his jump shot or his free throw strokes. His free throw percentage isn't isn't as terrible. But again, like there there is another level to Ben Simmons, much like we saw from onto the Kumbo, there's another level to reach when you can make a pull-up jump shot, when you can come off a screen. If the big is sagging, take the jump shot. Well, well, let's pivot a little bit now to the Timberwolves side of things. Uh, Minnesota has been hit with trade offers pretty consistently since this whole story blew up. Uh, just this week, I guess, after the trade was finished, lots of uh, discussions came out in terms of who went where, what could have happened. Uh, teams like the Pelicans, the Heat, uh, all kind of had some offers leaked out. The Rockets' big offer of the four first-round picks ended up being attached with Marquise Chris and uh, who was the other piece there? Uh, Brandon, Brandon Knight, Knight to kind of fill the contract what, role. You said like four, four first-round picks, picks yeah, over the next. Nuts. Yeah, and so like all of this kind of came out, and so we can kind of now view that in comparison to what ended up happening, and that was Butler and R.I.P. Patton for Sarich and Covington. Two players that I love. Like, those are two guys that if I could have them on the Suns, I would give up so much because they're two guys that don't seem to, like, desire to be in the spotlight. Each can drop 30-point games any day, you know, depending on how the ball is flowing, how they're feeling. Both, uh, Covington especially, I would say, a massive defensive clutch. Saric is getting better. Uh, but both of them play just such solid basketball and played so well while being overshadowed by the massive personalities in Philly. They're now going to Minnesota, a team that also has some massive personalities, some young guys that are kind of chosen to lead this team. I think they're a great fit in Minnesota, and I think the immediate results with the Timberwolves going 3-0 and since making the trade, if nothing else, is showing that something's changed. Uh, but what are your thoughts about Minnesota? What do you think is their new ceiling with this new kind of roster formation? I don't think their ceiling's much different this season than it really? was before, just because I feel like they're playing catch-up at this point. I think there's a lot internally. Could they still make the playoffs? Maybe. I, I just don't see how you can dig yourself such a hole at the start of the season from a personnel standpoint uh, and take that next leap. I think I think there's just a lot going on inside right now um, that is going to work against them. But I do like it. I think uh, you know I, I think that both of these players, Sarge and Covington, fit the style of basketball that Coach Tibbs likes to play. I think he's probably going to run Covington ragged because he is like the oh, prototypical Tibbs player. He played him. For- 41 minutes. And I the think, first but you know what, though? Game. I think Covington is a player that's fine with that. I do too. Ah. But you got to think longevity. How long can Tibbs here, run here, it like that? Here's my first thing, though, and I agree that they are really trying to move past a lot. But they're seven and nine, and they're only three games yeah. out of the four spot. So, like, it's not so far in where things are just utter crap. And think, they were on a four or five game winning streak with Butler sitting on the bench. So, basically, 
They lost a player who wasn't adding anything and have brought on two quality starters that I honestly think could start for all but maybe two teams in the NBA. And don't and get, oh, go ahead. I'm we sorry. talked about Derrick Rose a couple weeks ago. His 50-point game, he's not doing that. He might not do that again this season. But his increased productivity is no fluke. He's kept that. He he's kept good. that to going. Me, right so now he's, he's a backup player of the year. He's for, for sure. He's backing him up. Tyus Jones can come in and play. So they have depth at the point guard spot. They have Dan coming off the bench. Like they they have enough pieces to be competitive. Just like we said over the summer, and I was arguing last week. Just like a team like the Clippers, where you go down the roster and you go, I'm good with all these guys being on my team. But then they have Carl Anthony Towns, who has the ability to play like a superstar, and Andrew Wiggins, who should have the ability to play like a superstar. And don't get me wrong, like I want the Timberwolves to succeed. I like the Timberwolves. I, I know love I them trash now. now the Butler's gone. Yes, I'm and that's so my thing. All for and I know I trash Towns on here a lot, but that's yes. only. But the, <laughs> the reason is because I expect so much more out of them, and I've just been disappointed to seeing what's happened. I hope this works great for them. I anticipate them probably getting anywhere between a 4, 5, 6 spot in the playoffs. I just don't see them making it that far. But from a personnel standpoint, to have Butler gone and being having that chapter done and saying, all right, we can move forward now, is great for them. And the biggest win, in my opinion, is of all the suitors you had hunting Jimmy Butler, you got him to the Eastern Conference. And that, to me, is a huge win for Minnesota. I agree, and I will just say the one thing I love about how the team is constructed now, Towns doesn't have the pressure, and I get that's all mental and personality-driven, but like, I think that's huge for him. I think he can now feel like the max player and feel like an alpha on that team. And he's looked great since and he's Jimmy looked left. great. Wiggins has looked better, too, because you just got to think, when Butler's on the court, I mean, he's a magnet with the ball. And Wiggins has really been able to do a lot. Add in D-Rose and his efficiency – which is just a massive shock, and I think probably the only thing that you can really give Tibbs some props for on that one in terms of bringing him back. But going back to the point I made about Sarge and Covington, both of those guys can drop 30 any night. And when you are an NBA team that wants to be, you know, every night a contender, every night being competitive, a lot of that is having enough guys to pick up slack when your go-tos aren't. So, like, on those nights where Wiggins goes 2 of 14 – Covington can pick that up. He went, I think, 5 of 7 from 3 in their win against the Trailblazers, while Saric went 1 of 5. So, again, maybe one guy's not hitting, but you have more guys that could be feeling it that night, and they just didn't have that before. And, again, their three-game winning streak is against the Pelicans, who aren't quite as good as I think we thought they were week one, week two, the Trailblazers, who have been fantastic, and the Nets, Again, Nets aren't a great team, but they're a scrappy team that always plays hard. Not a team that and drops a lot. And they're a team that's going to steal wins from people that they don't expect to. Yeah, people like, don't expect to steal wins. Those from. are three massive wins for the Timberwolves, all from Monday through Friday, and then they play the Grizzlies Sunday, which I think is going to be a real good test for them. Grizzlies currently, I think, are in the four spot, about three games ahead of them. So trying to steal some of those wins from the middle of the pack, the guys that are all going to be going for a spot. And we look back last year with the T-Wolves and the Nuggets. Like, every one of those wins matters in that middle group. And so I think for Thibodeau, the basketball ops guy, and the head coach, I think this is a massive win. Um, just getting rid of Butler, as dumb as it sounds, probably got him some goodwill amongst the rest of the guys in the locker room. Because they're – I mean, we were talking 
I think week one, you know, Will Butler finished this year as a Timberwolf. And I think at least a couple of us thought that that might happen just from the sheer stubbornness from all the parties. But getting him gone this quick is so good for this team. What's a plus for Philadelphia in this, too, is the fact that literally on day one, they were already talking about a multi-year contract extension. So this isn't a one-off thing where they're going to try what everybody anticipated with Paul George last year, who ended up saying this seems to be a pretty permanent fixture for Jimmy Butler in Philadelphia. So this will be interesting to see over the next few years how this trade affects both of these teams kind of in the long run. And if we can tease next week, it also shifts the balance of power between the West and the East. So, so there are too many storylines for us to do it this week, but one thing we're going to do next week next week is figure out, is the Western Conference actually as dominant as maybe most casual basketball fans think it is, or has this year showed that there is a significant amount of parity in the league? So we're going to put the West and the East head-to-head next week. Yeah, I think it'll be really interesting, but I will say, Suns are doing their best to make it as close as possible for both conferences. So uh, props to them because, uh, you know, it is what it is. But Okay, once a week you always bring up the Suns, and then in my head I always go to the Bulls, and I'm like in a good mood. I'm like, I'm with my homies. We're talking basketball. And then I'm just freshly reminded about how bad my team is. Hey, it's That's okay why to, we do it's this, It's okay guys. to be sad sometimes. Hey, we do this you know? to talk about all the good in the league to make us feel better about the bad in the league. Oof. Therapeutic. All right, well, let's talk. Hey, let's prayer hands. Look, chat. hey, Philip needs his mood picked up. Let's talk about something Philip loves the Facts. Golden State Warriors, buddy. Yep. Do you want to talk about the Warriors a little bit? What, what sure. happened this Does week? Does that make bud? you happy, man? What happened this week? Do you want to talk about Kirby and okay. the Is everything okay? Hang on. First of all, I'm fine. I'm not a fan. I enjoy watching them play. <laughs> Second you of all, Curry is the most important and most nights the best player on. That team. Anyways, most of us know what went down. Draymond and KD got in a big beef. beef big beef against the Clippers. And I hey, love fresh, it. Fresh so never I'm frozen. here for it, baby. Fresh never frozen. Sponsored so by Wendy's. Let's do Splinter. this first. Let's talk about the basketball play. Late in the game, Draymond Green gets a rebound. Only a few seconds left. The Warriors' MO is to not call a timeout in that situation. You have enough playmakers. Get the ball up the court. Find a playmaker, get a good shot off. And they had what? Clay and Durant. Like they had their full squad out. Clay. Full squad minus Steph, but yeah, because Steph's been out. So basically the Justice League minus Superman. That's so pretty good. Marvel over DC, but whatever. So so Kevin Durant is behind Draymond Green. Draymond gets the ball. He's about to start pushing it up the court, and Kevin Durant starts clapping for. The ball, ball me, starts pouting as so Draymond I, Green I starts. Like Job from Arrested Development. <laughs> <laughs> Draymond starts running up the court, ends up turning it over, and then it all breaks loose when they get back to. And he was trying to do like a dumb no look pass through traffic. Like he looked, corner, he did it. Tried to pass it to a cutter. Like it was pretty he, ugly. He, he did this over. against the Rockets, if you remember last year, maybe game four, game five, when they tried to advance the ball to Dre, and he kind of. He tried to run before he actually had the ball in his hands. He fell. This is not a new thing for Draymond. He is but not when they who got, you want the ball. When they got back to the bench, Katie and Draymond went right at each other. All the reporting has been Draymond. And Draymond seems like this kind of guy who took it from a basketball play to something very personal very quickly. So just derailed the argument about a basketball play. So there's a bunch of speculation. Is this beef with... Draymond calling KD a B repeatedly, calling him out for his upcoming free agency. Is this going to ruin the Warriors? 
here's the answer to that question. Definitely not this season. There not is this season. There is no there is no team in the league that can beat a marginally functional Warriors team in a seven game series. If they are healthy, if they are healthy, they are too good. And KD and Draymond both have the mentality, even if they hate each other, they are going to go out and play winning basketball, which I know they struggled over the course of this week. But even if they're having, even if the beef continues personally, they're going to get their MVP back here in about a week, maybe two weeks. And then that will make all right in terms of basketball. In terms of free agency, it's a different story. So is there a problem currently for the Golden State Warriors? No. Looking long-term, might there be a problem? Yes, but I also don't think this beef is going to be KD's deciding factor. What I think this is, and this is my my flaming hot take of the week, is if anybody were to exit the Warriors because of things started on the court this night, I think Draymond Green may have sealed his own fate. In my opinion, of the big names in Golden State, in Golden State, Draymond is the most expendable. To me, you can find somebody who isn't quite as good as Draymond, but can feel can can fill his role. To me, if I'm able to, I'm holding on to Steph, I'm holding on to Clay, I'm holding on to KD. To me, of that group, Draymond is the most expendable. And if he's the one who's who's going to be pushing everybody's buttons and bringing up stuff like this, I say, you know what? If this continues throughout the season, we can find another you, Draymond. It's also on brand, but I I would disagree in that you can't find another Draymond. I think it would be it would be telling to watch this team go an extended period of time. Without, Without Green on the court, if you look at their defense, if you look at their assistance, and even even when Draymond grabs a rebound, it is not out of the ordinary for Dre to be the one to bring the ball oh, off the yeah. court. Because when they he brings the ball, it, when he brings the ball off the court, left. you get Clay, Steph, and Katie when they're all healthy, either setting screens for each other, flaring, getting a screen from whoever the fifth guy is on the court, and then you're opening up one of them. So it's not it's not an unreasonable play that. Draymond made it, and in fact, basketball-wise, I think Draymond was in the right. Kevin needed to run the wing. Dre's going to make the plays. But that's get not the what this is you. about. This isn't about that. This it is started about... off as a basketball beat, right, but and that's Draymond not what it is. I think, yeah, I think what was pretty obvious was that how quickly people quit talking about the play because that was kind of just, in my opinion, like the straw that broke the camel's back. My, like there's yeah. something there, and the thing that I want to bring up – that I think showed even more validity was the social media presence of each of their families. Just that night after this whole thing goes down, we have Draymond's mom tweeting, KD should have ran and filled the lane like he always does. Dre got trapped because he was expecting him to be there, and he wasn't. Hashtag enough said, hashtag Dre ain't selfish. And not much longer, we have Kevin Durant's brother on Instagram saying, true colors ain't hard to see when someone's mad. It's so much more clearer now, which I'm going to ignore the grammar there. But, like, this isn't just a weird basketball play that got blown out of proportion. It seems like people close to both felt the need to defend or argue for their parties. But simultaneously, did you see him on the bench like the very next game? They're just like laughing around, joking around with Steph on. I, but the here's I don't think I don't think I think there's more to it. Whenever you have Draymond yelling at him while Steve Kerr's trying to talk in the locker room saying we won without you. We don't need you. All this stuff like that is personal attacks that don't get forgotten. And here's my thing. 
one of my favorite phrases, if you stay ready, you don't have to get ready. Do you see how quickly Draymond jumped to those being what he's yelling at? That means this is something he's thought about yeah, before. This, this, wasn't, this wasn't him trying to make a petty moment. little comment this about This is a, a comment that has been festering you know I mean? in Draymond. So that goes back to my point. Who's expendable? I would rather get rid of the person who's going to be... Uh, I'm not saying get rid of Draymond. I don't want them to get rid of I think it's the attention thing, dude. Like, when you looked at those first couple championships, it was Steph, Clay. Draymond. Draymond was a part of this Golden State blah, 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 blah. And now if you look, it's Steph and KD. And, and you got to think Green is a petty enough dude to let that get to his head. And there's – this is going to be a hot take. Would you rather have Steph, Clay, Draymond again or Steph, Clay, KD? There's – it seems – it feels Draymond. like it's pick, obvious. There's a real argument to be made that Steph, Clay, and Dre is a better pair when it comes to – Playmaking for other people, the style of play that they play, and then the defensive liability that it's they, crazy. Would, I mean, they I, would have without I them. completely agree. I mean, we look back and look at when KD was on the Thunder. Like, they could take care of him just fine. And I don't know. Here's the weird thing. If you put Draymond and KD on a team by themselves, I think it's obvious that KD is such the better choice. But the whole thing, going back to my argument fit, earlier, who's your Chris Bosh? Who's going to fit what the other two don't bring? And Draymond brings the rebounding. He brings the off-ball screens. He brings the tough defense. He can guard a four and a five. He is so good at filling the needs of Clay and Steph. Let, and let me I think ask it you works. this. Say this continues to fester through the season, and you've got a DeMarcus Cousins who's healthy on the bench. Is it really that much of a step back to say we're, Cousins we're isn't moving? Coming, Cousins is not going to be in Golden State next year. I'm I'm saying hypothetical. Say this festers. Are you willing to make a sacrifice to say we're willing to pass on Dre, who's causing all these issues, nope. and keep Boogie? No. no way. No, no, because Boogie be. as as good of a player as he is, Boogie is not quick enough, athletic enough, or can handle the ball well enough to fill the role that German plays. And because again, like we remember, the consensus is. If Draymond Green doesn't get suspended in the finals, they've won four straight at this point. That is that is widely understood to be the consensus. I, I'll be honest, the I think it's it's I don't think anyone questions that. Like I think it's pretty clear yeah. that the Cavs got lucky through a lot of crazy stuff to seal one and good for LeBron that um, made the Matthew story Del better. Dova, please. Whatever. My whole point is I I think in terms of forming like if you're playing three on three and you're like, we need to get three guys that between their skill sets can cover us from anything. Draymond is the perfect three to go. Because Clay is so good on ball defense as well. Draymond's great off the ball defense. Like, it works. And I, you just got to look back at those. You know, KD was playing with some monsters in OKC, and they couldn't get it done. And I don't think in any of the playoffs since KD has been here, he is the reason they won. And I don't care about any big shot over LeBron, whatever. That series was going to go to Golden State no matter what. Yeah. And there are contractual issues that are going to come up, and the Katie's Warriors got to go somewhere. The Warriors are going to have to determine, and the ownership and Bob Myers is the GM. They're going to have to figure out how much are we willing to spend. Their new stadium is going to play a big role in this. They, some of the rumblings around the league are they might be willing to have when it comes to their luxury tax a four hundred million dollar payroll. So there's. There's a situation where after all of this transpires, they have the ability to pay everyone who's currently on the rosters. But there again, there are so many different components to this. Contracts, Draymond Green recruiting Kevin Durant, so then probably feeling personally slighted by KD's continual one-and-one deals that he keeps signing. There's the basketball fit, the basketball that they are 
currently playing on the court. So this is a messy, multifaceted situation that we're dealing with. Well, let's, let's close this discussion out then with some some predictions we can look back at. So, Ryan, after Golden State wins the NBA Finals this year, <laughs> who do you think out of those the big four will still be in Golden State going into next year? If you had to pick. It could be all. It could be some. Who do you think stays? Who do you think goes? I think the only two guarantee are Clay and Steph right now. Clay Steph, Dre is still on contract next year. Well, I agree. I'm just saying. I mean, if there's an issue when they do decide to stick with KD, right. there's no crazy that's the thought only to get Trey Dre. Is they could trade him for some great pieces to fill. Right, and that's the only that's the only argument I was making is let's say this does continue. I don't. None of us think it will continue. I'm just saying if it allow if we allow this to go to the worst possibility, you look at the way a personality like Jimmy Butler has poisoned a team you look at the way Carmelo Anthony poisons a team if you let a bad somebody whose bad attitude fester it could end up bringing everybody down I'm not saying it's going to happen I'm just saying we have to look at all possible outcomes yeah and then with that you take the which is why I think the, yeah the only two guarantee are Clay and Steph you take the good with the bad with Draymond too because as frustrating as this week has probably been for the whole organization there's going to be a stretch in the middle of the season where they are dependent on his edge to keep them going, to keep them sharp until they can get Cousins back, and then that naturally brings some excitement back yeah. to the team. So, Philip, what's your prediction going in? What What are the Warriors looking like next year? Steph, Clay, Dre will be on there. I, My gut reaction right now is that Kevin is going to leave unless, unless they offer him significantly more than he's yeah, getting paid I, I right now. I think money's going to be huge. Uh, Jarrett Jack, who played – guard with Steph in the earlier Warriors years had a tweet uh, just this week saying basically if we keep messing around uh, you're going to have KD, AD, and LeBron all in LA next year. Uh, interesting. It's just I, interesting to think uh, where what KD could do. This is the other component. I think KD will want his team again. The Warriors, and I know he's been Finals MVP, it's Steph's team. And always will be. As always. long as Steph's there. Yeah, Always. Well, as we, as we wrap up this week, we're going to close with our three stars as we always do. And I'm going to kick it off with my third star of the week, keeping it in Phoenix as I try to. Uh, bad teams need love, too. Uh, TJ Warren, right now, if I had to give this as unbiased as possible, I think TJ Warren is, is potentially your most improved player going into this season. Uh, he dropped 27 against the Spurs Wednesday in a big win that they really needed, just in terms of trying to keep some hopes alive. Uh, Ariza was on the bench. Bridges started. It looked like they finally had some things clicking. But what I want to give Warren a shout-out for is a stat that is just absurd to me. Last season, which is pretty on par for his career, TJ Warren shot 20 of 90 from the three-point line, which is a 22.2%. That's that's good, That is right? bad. Oh, okay. Pretty okay. bad. Uh, Warren came out of NC State as a DeRozan prototype, great with the 12-foot jumpers, incredible attacking the rim. And, man, props to this guy. Going into the season, didn't even know if he'd be a starter. Uh, worked hard and was pretty open about it on his three-point shot. The guy has already hit more threes this year than he did last year, shooting 23 of 50 from behind the arc, a 46% clip. He currently, him and Steph, are currently leading with uh, the only players to shoot over 40, uh, sorry, over 50 from the field and 40 from three which is a mark that you obviously – it's a big deal to, to hit that for the year. But him and Steph Curry, pretty great company for him. Props to him for really stepping up. And he's honestly been the most consistent player on the Suns, uh, way more than Booker has been. Uh, so props to TJ. Uh, second star, Etwan Moore, 
what a random name to bring up. Boiler up. The guy dropped 30 against the Raptors in a huge, huge win that they really needed. Shot 13 of 18 from the floor, 3 of 5, giving him the old 3 Twan Moore name. Big, big buckets for Etwan. Can I flex on an Etwan Moore memory? Go for it. I have a memory from Etwan Moore high school days. He grew up in Northwest Indiana like I did. He played at East Chicago Central, and he played with, I think he still plays for the Panthers. I'm not an NFL guy. Kwan Short. Honestly, I don't, I don't know who he check. plays. I don't know who he plays mm-hmm. for right now. But you ended up having four professional athletes on the court when East Chicago Central played Valparaiso High School back when Robbie Hummel and Scott Martin were balling out. Robbie the, Hummel, yeah, yeah, rip the Robbie Hummel's legs. Big Ten, <laughs> right? The gym was bumping. It's a great memory. Hit me up on Twitter if you want to hear more about that. Ooh. Weird flex, but okay. I like that. Oh no, it was like you. You think about Indiana basketball and Indiana oh, high school. Yeah. No, that basketball. is like the mecca was, of that game. It it's like was the NBA finals of standing room only. There's an elevated part of the court, so like the stands were packed to the rafters. There were people all around the the elevated portion of the stands. It was beautiful. It was a beautiful moment. It's like Bob when we watched uh, George Fant take we on Shane George Fant versus I'm. Not playing basketball because of poor life choices. Shane Bahannon, who was an NCAA. Oh, no, he's not a champion because Louisville Had lost that ring. Stripped. Pun, pun intended. So we have uh, High five. Kicked, out of, kicked out of Colorado State for weed, which is its own irony, versus current right Give tackle. Give him the smoke. Right tackle for uh, the Seattle Seahawks, George Fant. Props to him. Uh, first star goes to a dude who I love. And this was the story of the week for me. Dwayne Casey. Coaching against the Raptors following his coach of the year run with the Raptors. His Pistons team putting it together. But, man, I've not seen a guy look that happy on the court. Uh, Reggie Bullock gets a buzzer beater to beat the Raptors. Dwayne Casey jumps in the air on the sidelines. His entire team swarms him and group hugs him. And then he does the classy handshake at midcourt. But, man, good for Dwayne Casey. He got ousted off of absolute crap reasons. He was such a scapegoat, and it, it's just so dumb. So props to him. Huge win in his first game against the Raptors. And Nick Nurse is his guy. Like, Nick Nurse was, is great, too. Like, yeah. they're close. Like, they are still close. But for him to be able to do that more against the entire organization of the Raptors against versus the actual players, good for him. That made me so happy because I think he's, he's a great dude. Kentucky Connections always like when he does well. All right, so my three – as as I'm sure everybody anticipates, Joel Embiid being in there. What? <laughs> I'm not gonna do it this week. I'm gonna give him an honorable Skirt. mention. Uh, I'm also gonna give an honorable. Which is still like a Ryan's star. I'm but also gonna give an honorable mention uh, to Demar Derozan's 360 layup as oh, one of my players of the week. Nasty. Um, I, I think that play itself just deserves some props. If you haven't gorgeous. seen it, look it up. It's one of the most incredible layups I've ever seen. Uh, but my third star of the week this week is going to go to Uncle Drew himself, Kyrie Irving, who dropped 43-11 and 11 on 18 of 26 shooting. Uh, stud night for Kyrie. Uh, my second star of the week is going to go to the big man from the Nuggets, Jokic, dropping 37-21, and 21, which by itself is an incredible stat line. So 37-21. and 21. Until you consider what Anthony Davis has done in the last seven days, where uh, I believe it was a week ago, or no, sorry, it was last Monday night. He dropped 25, 26, and two blocks. And then last night goes on to drop 43, 17, and five. So did you just give Jokic a star and then little brother him to Anthony Davis? <laughs> yes. He absolutely <laughs> got like, little brother. He's my second star. You think that's good? <laughs> Anthony Davis. 
That's exactly what happened. All right, who's your first? Anthony Davis. Oh, <laughs> you just really – poor second star there got pooped on. You know, I mean, it was a great night, but then you're like, oh, but Anthony Davis basically did that all week. So it happens, you know. But, yeah, shouts out to you, Jokic. Go Nuggets or whatever. All right, my third star. I'm really swallowing my pride on this one. Ugh, the Oklahoma City Thunder. Woohoo! They're rolling right now. I don't right even now. like them, but I'm just I, glad that I felt good. Brody! I really don't like them, but they've Steven won. Steven Adams is on that team. You watch your shout out to Steven Adams' mom. If you're still listening, uh, shout out to our, our New Zealand fan base. She's awesome. Dude, he's – can I give you a quick story? This of is course. So I interrupted yours. You got me. DeAndre Ayton got interviewed uh, earlier this week. He had a massive grown man dunk against the Spurs. He's starting to kind of look his own. And he was interviewed about, you know, how does it feel playing against the bigs in the league? And he said, after we played the Thunder – I felt like I truly understood what it takes to be a big in this league. He said every time a shot goes up, Steven Adams is mumbling to himself, I'm going to get it, I'm going to get it. Or he's openly asking for his own team's shot to miss so he can put it back. He's like, Steven Adams is giving himself pep talks during the game because he wants to destroy you and get every rebound over your head. And he said after every rebound, he just looks at you. I love and he's Steven like, Adams. He's like, I saw Steven Adams and the grit he plays with. He's like, I need that to be me every night. And I was like, man, two of my loves coming together. I love it. Go Steven Adams. Go so <laughs> <laughs> Let me have this. Please. So with OKC, also, if you are a basketball nerd, track their assists. They're significantly better when they're getting over 20 assists per game. In wins, they're averaging almost 23. and losses, they go back down to 19. Their best assists come on nights where they are playing the second half of a back-to-back which is interesting. So your legs get a little tired. You move the ball around. The assists go up. The win percentage goes up. So Oklahoma City Thunder, third star. Second star, Lou Williams. Late game Lou. Sixth man Lou. Monday, 10 points in overtime against the, at that point, dysfunctional Golden State Warriors. 25 points overall. Thursday, nine points in the final four minutes to lift the clips over the Spurs. 23 points overall. The Clippers are a good basketball team. Don't let Ryan anything fool you. First star of the night. I don't know if he's been one of our stars this season. Michael Jordan. The best player in the league. LeBron James. LeBron James. Against Portland on Wednesday. 44 points, 10 rebounds, 9 assists, 13 of 19 from the field, 5 of 6 from 3, 13 of 15 from the line carried the Lakers to a win without Rondo on the court against Portland. Rondo didn't play against McCollum and Dame, and they took the dub. He's averaging again this season, and he's so overlooked. 27 and a half, eight rebounds, seven assists on 52% no, from no, the field. Ryan, that is, is that In that case, is okay, in case sure. anyone forgot, LeBron James is very good at basketball. What I really liked about this performance is it reminds you that any given night, LeBron can be the LeBron we the, know he is. Yes. And, and so yes. far through this season, because there's been so much of a learning curve in L.A., there really hasn't been a LeBron showing like this one. And this was kind of a wake-up call to the league where it's like, I can turn this on anytime I want to. I just haven't yet. Also, props to him, fifth all-time scorer in the NBA, yes. passing Wilt Chamberlain in that game. Uh, shout out to you, LeBron. You are still the GOAT no matter what anybody says. I'm taking you every time. There are select few guys in the league who when they get a pep in their step and you can see it, it is like an energy that they have at you. on the court. They're like, you are not stopping that man tonight. KD has it. Steph has it. LeBron has it. 
Anybody else want to put in that group? When Giannis, Giannis, Giannis has speed, it, you're not stopping him. Giannis has it. And the thing with the thing, especially with Katie, Steph, and LeBron, is they can sustain that for the entire game. And just the way LeBron was bringing it up the court, he was going right down to the block. It was it's, he was an unstoppable force. That's, yep. I'm driving. I'm going to get 15 yep. free throws. Yep. Whatever. But yep, yep, yep. also one of my favorite quotes from this week, uh, DeRozan got interviewed after the game about the Clippers and in what Lou Will has been able to do, and he goes, "Man, it's incredible to see someone." So talented, go out and do the things he do when he weighs maybe 90 pounds soaking wet. <laughs> I read that and I was like, man, that's such a great quote and so fitting for Lou. Well, like, tiny dude goes out there and gets awesome. it. So I'm glad you gave him some love. Uh, but looking for next week, Philip, uh, what are some games to look forward to going into this? Okay, I'm scratching everything off the table except Wednesday. So, Wednesday of this week, before you're getting ready to celebrate Thanksgiving with your friends and family, watch some basketball. There are some great games on Wednesday. Pelicans at 76ers. This one, probably not going to be a great game, but storyline. Lakers go to Cleveland on Wednesday. That's sad. Portland at Milwaukee. Denver at Minnesota. That's a good one. Sacramento at Utah. Oklahoma City at Golden State. Thank you, NBA, for giving us a fantastic Wednesday. Wednesday night of basketball before we eat a ton of food on Thursday morning. Amen. Feed your soul with basketball. Absolutely. Feed your, your tummy, tummy with turkey. turkey. Oh, my goodness. Well, this has been another episode of 9415 NBA Podcast. We just want to thank you guys again for those that keep listening. Uh, keep following us, whether it's on the website, whether it's on Apple Podcast, and share it with your friends. The NBA is the best, and it is picking up steam rolling into this season. Feel free to bring others along with you. This has been 9450 in NBA Podcast. Happy Thanksgiving. We, we out. out. <laughs>